And once I see that people are here, I'm going to play the intro reel and then, uh, then we'll start things off and I'll introduce everyone. And uh, I can see, I can see people have started to pop in. So here we go. I'm David C. Barnett and you're tuned in to Small Business and Dealmaking, the podcast, YouTube channel and blog where I talk about buying, selling, financing and managing small and medium sized businesses while controlling risk. So if you're looking to take control of your future through buying a business one day, or if you already own a business and you're looking to grow or exit, you've come to the right place. I talk about interesting things, I talk to interesting people, and I answer your questions every week right here. So be sure to hit like and be sure to hit subscribe, and let's get to it. Hey everyone, welcome. It's, uh, it's Dave Barnett, and I'm here with a few of my friends, people that are members of my Business Buyer uh, Adventure Group Coaching Program. Uh, today, we're doing a little bit of a celebration because the Group Coaching Program is five years old this month. And uh, so we're going to have a little bit of a discussion about the group. Uh, I'm going to get some of these guys to share some of their experiences. And if you happen to be watching us live and you want to ask some questions, feel more than free to do that. Um, and so I want, I want to kick things off. We've got uh, one person on the line here who has to go pretty quickly. So we're going to start off with Anthony. Um, Anthony, how are you doing today? Doing well, David. Good to be here. Anthony, do you want to give us a, a quick... Well, thank you very much. Thank you. Five years. Uh, you want to give us a, a quick uh, synopsis of your journey as an entrepreneur and, and what led you to want to learn more about buying businesses and joining the group? Yeah, absolutely. Um, originally from the UK, moved to uh, America back in 2015. Uh, been an entrepreneur most of my life. Had, a, had my first business when I was 13. Another one that I built when I was 17 uh, that I ran through my university studies and uh Sold to private equity in my mid twenties, uh, and then moved uh, moved here to America, joined the corporate world, and I'm in the process of trying to get back to uh, entrepreneurship and business ownership. And uh, uh, bought a small business that I run uh, semi absentee, um, and uh, yeah, I, I came across uh, you, David, because I was uh, watching videos about uh, structuring deals and. Um, uh, buying businesses using uh, the SBA, uh, which is a fantastic facility that uh, we in America get to utilize. Uh, very uncommon in Europe uh, to be buying businesses from a 90, 95% leverage position. So, um, yeah, it's that's how I that's how I came across you, and uh, a lot of the content that you produce uh, was very unique. I really appreciated that uh, you don't tend to sell the hype. And I tell people this all the time. A lot of your um, videos I find to be uh, the cold hearted truth a lot of the times with business ownership rather than selling the hype and, uh, and, and trying to sell, uh, you know, lucrative courses and profits that, um, you know, don't come easy. This, this is not easy. Uh, owning a business is not easy buying a business is is even harder and uh, i just appreciated how transparent you were with all that well thank you thank you very much anthony you've been in the group for uh coming on a year now and in that time i think you've had a couple of negotiations to look at purchasing some other businesses um you want to share a little bit about that and maybe perhaps some of the things that led to those deals not happening 
Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll share, I'll share a few things. Uh, you know, my time in the group has been very beneficial. I've learned a lot about deal structure. I've learned a lot about, um, some, some of the gotchas that, um, I wouldn't have the ability to have known about, um, without getting the experiences of others in the group. Um, obviously I've spent some one-on-one -on -one time with you, David, uh, which has been very, very useful. Uh, you're extremely knowledgeable. And um, I would say that the, aside from just having the ability to talk with the group, um, just being around, I mean, this is a lonely uh, existence, you know, running a business, but also searching for a business. It's very lonely. And uh, having a group of people that are either in the process of doing the same thing or have already done this and are midway through their journeys you know we have some folks on the on the group that have several businesses that they're running and and operating and doing really well with and so you you get a real mix of expertise and insight that uh you wouldn't otherwise have and i think um you know the 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 modest cost of the group is is more than paid for itself just in the in the fact that i probably would have fought, uh, gone through with a few of these transactions um, you know, without having the advice and mentoring from the group. And so uh, it, it certainly paid for itself in dividends. Awesome. Well, thank you very much, uh, Anthony. Uh, you know, what Anthony just said about uh, being part of a group, you know, sort of breaking the isolation is something that I've heard from from a couple of people that have been through it. Um, uh, Jordan, you, thank you for joining today. Um, you have the distinction of being I think you're the only member of the group who actually signed up when it was new five years ago. So you we've, we've been working five years together. That's right. Well, and 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 I think the first time we we started talking, I think was even before that, because uh, you were working on uh, on your very first deal, and then since joining the group, uh, you've done a couple more, haven't you? Yeah, it's uh, unbelievable to think in five years what you can achieve. And uh, the thought of buying a business was such a foreign concept I mean, six, seven years ago. Uh, so I think it's an amazing proposition or opportunity to bet on yourself, but even better to have people that have uh, been down the path before you and bring them in early. Uh, and you'll take your lumps along the way, but it's, it's an amazing ride. And I'm, I'm grateful to live in this country where we can uh, be entrepreneurial and acquire businesses and run them and, and grow them. And, you know, all three of you uh, who joined today, you guys are all in the United States, but there are people in the group that are in Canada. There are, we've had people from, uh, there are people in the group today in Australia. We've had people from New Zealand before, right. Singapore, uh, uh, Scotland. Uh, and so it's, it is uh, people from all over that are in there. We've got a couple of people that are chiming in saying, hello, E. Allen says, hi, everyone. And uh, we've got Kevin, who's joining from Lakeland, Florida, who says, good afternoon. Good to see you there, Kevin. Um, Roger, um, your story has been a little bit different because most of the people who joined the group are looking for help and guidance to get their first deal done. But you actually came and joined after you had done a few transactions. Uh, you want to tell us a little bit about, uh, about your journey and, and what led you to decide to come and join us? Yeah, sure. So... Um... I'm an engineer by education. I was uh, working in technology and then I, I moved into the oil and gas field. Uh, we were in a, 
I started in a pretty specialized niche uh, that was sort of consistent with my um, educational and technology background. And, um, you know, got to where I was managing a pretty decent sized business unit for a large oil field services company, one of, one of the largest in the world. And so I had teams that were um, local to where I live, but also kind of smattered around the world and various countries. And, and I got comfortable with the idea of, of managing um, significant projects remotely. You know, some of those were were in the Gulf of Mexico where it wasn't that challenging. It would be easy to get down there and check things out. Others were quite challenging, like uh, Gulf of Thailand, for example. And so you're you're holding meetings at 1 a.m. local time, et cetera. So I, I just got got comfortable with um, with that process, and ultimately, through uh, decided. I started pursuing uh, real estate investment, but then ultimately happened upon the idea of, of business acquisition. It has all of the advantageous traits of real estate investing, but probably 10x the financial outcomes, the economic incentives. So uh, I, I went down that route back in late 2016, early 2017. At the time, there, there was no, as far as I'm aware, there were no programs or materials. Certainly, I, as far as I know, you you weren't broadcasting back then, and if so, I wasn't aware of it. So I was kind of fumbling around in the dark and um, just trying to figure things out on my own. And, and the process was extra painful because I uh, I, I had no guidance. Well, I, I stumbled my way through, bought my first business in June of 2017. Have done several transactions since then. I um, I happened upon your podcast some time ago and ended up, you know, binging all of the, the episodes and really liking the material quite a lot. And um, I engaged you to for some advice, one-on-one advice for uh, a transaction I was contemplating at the time. Uh, really liked what you had to say. I thought it was really helpful. The transaction wasn't consummated for um, a number of reasons that, that we kind of ran into during due diligence but yeah i uh, i liked all the material and decided to join the group i um i i really kind of think of it as like a mastermind and i i really enjoy the uh, the bi-weekly calls and getting to hear what everyone is doing and and you know your responses and advice to that and i um you know some of it I already know, maybe a lot of it I already know just through my own experiences, but um, there's usually something that I didn't know, and that's especially true with the the expert calls that you, you do periodically. I think every expert call that I've listened to, I've gotten at least something out of. And when you're doing um, a lot of uh, acquisition, even small additional pieces of information can, can be a fulcrum to have really substantial financial impacts. And so, you know, the modest cost of the group is is negligible compared to the... I, I keep hearing you guys use the term modest cost, and it makes me wonder if I shouldn't, like, raise the price or something. As long as we're grandfathered in. <laughs> yeah. Now, Roger, you use the word mastermind, and and I yeah. and thank you because uh, really a lot of the times 
some of the most valuable insights come from the discussion between the members. You know, people yeah. mm -hmm. will ask a question or they put something forward that they're having difficulty with. And then other people who've been through it before get to chime in mm -hmm. and share some of their own experience. And that's, that's hap well, it happens almost every call, I think. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think it happens every call. And, and that's, uh, I really enjoy that. If, uh, if, if yeah. for no other reason, it's, uh, it's, it's just really entertaining. And, um, you know, I, I don't get to make all of the calls for various reasons. I travel and have other commitments, but I try to make them all. I prioritize it. But when I do miss them, I go back and I always go back and listen to the recordings. And I, I just find it really interesting. Just the, the discussions. Yeah. And, and so when we get an interesting question here um, from E. Allen, who says on the subject of how to decide on an industry, what should be considered when deciding on what industry to pursue, education, work experience, or industry success rate? Um, and, I, and I think that each of you here on the call could probably make a slightly different answer to this. Um, Jordan, um, what, how did you choose the industry that you're in? Good question. Well, I had the benefit of having some uh, familiarity uh, in interpretation translation, the language service indus industry. My mom was an interpreter. So I had the, that benefit of seeing uh, somebody in this uh, big little industry that's all around us that nobody knows about. Um, and that expanded uh, my thoughts on buying a business of, uh, can I stay in the service business lane. So I think there's a couple of things to think about when you are deciding what, what can I buy? What can I operate? What's the best fit for me? I mean, all the personal demographics, but then also the, the business demographics. And I think that the easiest one to decide is do I want service or product route? And that's a good way to really quickly, you know, cut out half of the uh, population. Uh, you know, both have different pain points and different challenges. Uh, and then uh, from there, uh, I love to explore uh, the NAIC codes in the United States and just look at all how they've categorized the entire economy into different buckets and start to look at what's out there and start pairing with what's interesting to you. And I like to challenge people to go niche, like go further in, don't get stuck on um, you know, laundromat, sorry, Anthony, if, uh, <laughs> if I'm putting you on the bus, but don't get stuck on the every day. There's so many businesses that you could niche down even further. Um, so I, I guess it's more about research and knowing yourself and what you're going to be excited about. Those are my two cents. So that whole family business connection, obviously you had a big insight into that industry, but before, you know, doing your first acquisition, that, that was really helpful to you. Um, Anthony, when you moved from the UK to Texas, you were kind of open to looking at all sorts of different things, weren't you? What, what was your process for figuring out what kind of industry you wanted to be in? Well, mine was a little bit more unique in that I, uh, First of all, I, I wanted to find something that I could operate uh, alongside my W-2. So, you know, I was semi-restricted in terms of what I thought I could take on. Uh, so I was seeking something that had a manager already in place. Um, I was relatively industry agnostic, and I tend to dislike that word just because I think you you can spread yourself really far and wide if you aren't at least somewhat targeted. 
what was really tying me to um, what I was looking to acquire was location. And so I, uh, when I first bought my business, I bought it 10 minutes from my house. So I knew that um, if there was an issue with the manager that I could, I could not necessarily step in and, and run it, but I would had the capabilities to, to find somebody relatively quickly. Um, so, you know, most, most people should probably center their search around uh, the location they're in, unless you're single and ready to move across country. But for most of us, I think uh, there's something that's grounding you to a specific location, whether it's family or friends or an existing job in my case, that meant that uh, I had to be location sensitive. Okay. And, and Roger, you own, you own a, a, several businesses and they're in different industries. May, uh, is there any, uh, could you maybe speak to the challenges of having to sort of keep your finger on the pulse of the different categories? Yeah. Yeah. I wish I could say that I, in the selection of my industry, the industries, I was as intentional as, as Jordan, but it, that wasn't the case. I, uh, I just kept looking at a lot of different stuff, a lot of different stuff, and uh, just ultimately found some, uh, found an industry that uh, that I thought would would work. It was nothing that I was particularly excited about, but I thought uh, it was more um, excited about the business management opportunity. Um, so today, yeah, we we largely operate in in three different industries: uh, home health care, medical transportation, and family entertainment centers by which I mean indoor playgrounds and trampoline parks. Um, for, you know, we've, we have a large enough portfolio now that we were able to build kind of like a, a holding company. And so we have a significant support infrastructure that, that helps. So I, um, I get to kind of operate more at a strategic level generally. And so uh, keeping the finger on the pulse, you know, when you have, when you have really good people, that's just a, a lot easier to do. So we have a um, like a VP of operations for our family entertainment center portfolio, and so I, I really have very little to do with the day to day. I uh, I attend a thirty minute meeting every week, and then uh, we he and I meet as needed, and I review financials, you know, usually monthly. It, it's just really not that much of an impact on on my time, I focus most of my time in the home healthcare sector, where we we don't have, you know, I I functionally am that person, and in our medical transportation side, we also we have like a president of that of that division that that handles um, that handles those portfolio companies, and it's a kind of a similar arrangement where I attend an hour meeting each week, and then and then you know review financials, etc. So, yeah, I mean. Small business ownership is um, it's it's risky, but I personally believe that it's a lot less risky than having a W two job where you have a single source of income and at any time it could be more financially advantageous for your employer to dismiss you than to retain you, and that happens all the time. People get even really good, hardworking people get laid off all the time when just bad stuff happens in the economy or whatever. 
And so, Roger, I just want to I just want to backtrack a little bit there because you were talking about how you have multiple uh, several businesses and you have some some different degrees of management in place in in the different categories. But it sounds like you still have, you know, a full job here ahead of you every week of of just keeping an eye on your holdings and making decisions and managing things. Um, and and I, I I just want to reiterate this because of that there's this consistent idea that I keep running into on the internet that if you buy a bunch of businesses that suddenly you can put managers in place and you don't have to work anymore. But mm -hmm. I think that you're really demonstrating to people that the more stuff you have, it's just, you have to learn to manage more and more. And that means putting people in place, but you still got to keep an eye on the whole apparatus, don't you? Uh, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, we are. Um, I, I mean, I work as if I treat this as a, a full-time job, uh, you know, probably put in 50, 55 hours a week. And, you know, I've got a lot more flexibility with my time. I get to take a lot more vacations, but, um, and, you know, I can get up if I want to go walk my dog in the middle of the day or go to the movies or, or whatever, I can go do that. But yeah, it's still, still a job. Um, the, now I will say that there are, that if, if, if I wanted to, I could sell the home health care, I could sell the medical transportation and just keep the family entertainment center portfolio. And it really probably would mostly run on its own for the most part. So there, um, I wouldn't completely dismiss the idea that you can be an absentee owner, but I am not an absentee owner. I am a remote owner and that is different. Yeah. yeah. So no, no one should buy a business with the, simple expectation that they're going to hire a manager or hire an operator or go find someone and um, and then they don't have to do anything. That's that's very unlikely to be the case. Very unlikely. Uh, so the, yeah, the I would agree. Yeah. Yeah. And I, one um, piece of advice I would, I would give people would be um, if you're looking for a business, buy the largest business that you can afford because it will be less risky and you will you will be able to take a, um, a more strategic role. If you go and you buy something tiny where you're the sole employee, then you, you buy yourself a job. And there's not anything inherently wrong with that. It's just, uh, just be aware that that's what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. If I, if I, I, I think I, getting into any deal with your eyes open, I think is, is the best piece of advice that, that anyone can get. I wanted to add on to that, if I may. The uh, opportunity here is rolling up your sleeves and, and getting into the trenches and understanding the business that you're buying. And, and even before buying, if you can niche down and find the, the right industry and uh, read everything you can about it. I mean, you're looking for an edge on how do I operate this the same, if not better than the previous owner, but definitely to start, how do I operate the same? Uh, and learn everything I can. And it's just impossible to do that uh, totally you know, passive or removed. Um, and I especially think if you're a first-time buyer, expect to be in it. All, all the messes, all the people problems, all the product inventory problems. Uh, but as Roger said, you get a lot of opportunity with all the responsibility and flexibility. So if you're the type of person that is self-driven and can handle the ambiguity of figuring things out, then this is a good path for you for sure.
but you're looking for the edge. You know, what are the levers that I can pull to make this business even better? And I think that's what makes buying a business even more exciting than real estate. It's there's only so many levers you can pull in real estate. Whereas I think in business, you can go so many different directions and you're only limited by your creativity. Yeah. I, it, it, I, I describe it often as having a longer stick to try to leverage a, you know, a rock or something like that. Uh, Cody uh, came and joined us. Cody, you want to introduce yourself? Um, tell everyone uh, what your path was uh, that led you to the group. Hi, everybody. Uh, sorry, I'm late to the meeting. I uh, had a, was at another meeting. Um, so my background is what led me to the group is I had uh, I have a background in investment management going back 25 years now. I can't believe I'm that old. And uh, I was um, a lot of stock market investments. I, I was a trader for hedge fund and real estate investments. And uh, I had done a, a startup by accident about 10 years ago, and uh, it was an e-commerce startup and it's grown really well. And I did, I was involved in a couple of other e-commerce startups and they all grew really well. And over time, it became evident though, that uh, the best, the best route for me is to, I'm at the warehouse. So some of my team members are walking behind me. Uh, so what, what will, basically what happened is I began, began to realize that uh, business acquisitions were some of the best ways to go because it takes you forever to do a startup chances of success are not great. I've been lucky and combination of luck and skill, really. It took me forever to learn it and figure it all out. So it took 10, 10 years and grow all these businesses. So what it led me to the group, and I've been part of the group for about two and a half years, was wanting to really learn how to acquire businesses, what it takes, hear from a group. I was looking for a mastermind group of successful people, and I found it here. And it's been really cool. I've learned a ton and had a lot of insights in the group uh, since I joined. So it's been pretty life-changing for me. And shortly after I joined the group, I bought, I bought a business. That, thank, thank you very much, Cody. Uh, you, you mentioned there about, you know, success rates and startups can in now that you've, you know, got to the place where you're, you have a business and it's functional and it makes money for you and everything. Can you look back at your startup experience and kind of point out the moments where there were sort of critical moments that you were kind of uh, maybe a little bit of the luck helped you through some of them. Uh, oh yeah, <laughs> but every other moment probably. Uh, it's it's there. I shouldn't say it's a lot of luck, but it's definitely a good chunk of luck. I mean, we got involved in Amazon. Amazon for the longest time has been about half of all internet sales in the United States, give or take. And if you're going to do e-commerce, you have to be on Amazon. If you're going to do a physical product, that is. If it's non-physical, it's a different deal. But if you're going to do a physical product, you need to be on Amazon. And something like, and I've come across a lot of e-commerce space. And so Amazon, you just get on there and it just worked. I mean, it just worked. It could have been a big fight and it could have been expensive and time consuming. Um, I'm in the state of Oklahoma. If I ran a let's say a physical retail store selling what we sell, uh, it would not work. There's just not enough people here. But thanks to the internet and thanks to the way Amazon's structured and how it's so big, it was easy to sign up there and you started getting sales immediately. So that was pure luck. That was something I built. I built on something they built. So that was definitely critical points along the way. There's been several more I learned. I mean, I learned how to hire employees and manage them remotely to Roger Roger's point. Um, Hiring employees and managing them remotely was a huge skill set that I hadn't learned before, and I had to learn, I had to grow, and that was a huge help because I work with people all over the world now, and uh, I didn't have that skill set before. And the cost of labor has gone down dramatically, and in many ways, their quality of their work is even better than what I would have otherwise had, otherwise had access to here. So it's been a huge amount of stuff that I had nothing to do with 
that just happened to be built for me. I just plugged into it. I had to learn it. It was a lot of work and it took time. But hmm. so I would say in various ways, there was there was luck along that way. And I had nothing to do with a lot of those systems that were put in place that allowed me to prosper from it. So, yeah, there's definitely points along the way that luck. Whereas buying a business that was already set up, you know, everybody in this group is everybody here today, for example, has had success with it. I mean, I, I hate to say it. in a way that's luck because you didn't do it. You didn't have to build it. But buying it is just such a better, more efficient system. I mean, we've talked about it before in the group that if you buy a business five years later, there's at least a 90 percent chance that business will still be in business. Where if you start a business five years later, there's something like a quarter of a percent chance or something, or a 25% chance it'll still be in business five years later. So the acquisition route just makes a lot more sense. And also, I want to point this out. If you take a chart of the top 10 billionaires in the world, okay, and there's a thing going around that like 90% of all millionaires made their wealth from real estate. But the top 10 billionaires, all they do is buy companies. There might be one that's a real estate guy. The other nine, I mean, Bill Gates, for example, Bill Gates has bought 250 companies since he's founded Microsoft. Okay. This averaged like six or seven businesses a year. Okay. Warren Buffett's bought 134 businesses in his day. I mean, you go down the list, all the wealthiest people, you know, you've got Elon Musk, the guy bought, he bought Tesla. People think he started it. He bought it. He bought PayPal. Okay. Actually, he was part of them. PayPal was a merger between his company and another one. So they bought each other. Elon was CEO for six months before they fired him at PayPal. Yeah. Okay. And on and on. You got, you got all these guys, LVMH, which is famous for Louis Vuitton and all these famous brands. They own like 64 companies or something like that. And so you go down the list and business acquisitions that are where some of the biggest wealth I've ever seen seems to come from. It's just piles and piles of opportunities well, there. You know, I, I, I noticed that years ago, just in looking at the, the business landscape, the big publicly traded companies tend to grow through acquisition. Um, and, and they usually only start a business when it's driven by some kind of new technology, like when cell phones were first, you know, invented. Yeah, yeah they had this, you know, people, a lot of the phone companies started cell phone companies, for example. And, you know, when, when you think about a large publicly traded company, you've got those C-suite executives and you have board of directors, and they, they have this responsibility to the shareholders to take care of the money and, and to act responsibly with it. And when I, when I think about an individual person and their own money, um, you know, if you're trying to do something with your money, it, you know, if you're going to have the same sort of fiduciary responsibility to your own assets as, as these publicly traded company executives would have to their shareholders, then this is really something you have to consider because to put your money into something that already has a track record of success just makes a lot more sense than, than trying something new, you know, and I, I've just met so many people over the years who've, who've uh, you know, had issues with startups and, 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 and especially someone who is trying to create a completely new and different kind of business that's never seen before, you know, that, and that is, is probably another order of magnitude even more difficult than opening the kind of business that people expect, you know, already know what it is kind of thing. Definitely. Well, David, you even made it in one of your books, one of your books I read, it was the one about uh, how, um, Better than a startup, I think was the name of it. Where oh, smarter than a startup, startup available yeah. on Amazon. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Well, that one that was a great point because it's like if I have a startup idea, why don't I go buy a business that would then that then add that startup to that business that's already successful, and that that idea works really well. I mean, I've been involved in startups multiple times, not just for myself but my family. Uh, we've got a lot of entrepreneurs in my family, and most of them are startup people, and it's it's not an easy life compared to an acquisition. If you buy bigger, like Roger's point. 
you buy bigger, it's a different game. It changes your life changes completely compared to stuff I've done, quite frankly. So, well, you know, the, the, I guess the, the, the idea or the thoughts that I articulated in that particular book was based on looking at, again, looking at big companies and what they do. So was, I, I read an article somewhere that Procter and Gamble like creates and launches several dozen new products every year and most of them fail. Right. And I was just realizing that's their startup initiative, you know, like they're trying to create the next big hit. That's going to be a big thing for them. But because they have this, this whole catalog of very successful products that make money for them, they can afford that kind of iterative innovation within their company, knowing that they're going to have the same kind of failure rate as any startup, but it's not going to take down the, the whole thing. Right. And, and there's no reason why small businesses can't do that. I've, I've, I've seen people buy like, machine shops and things like this because they had this idea to create a certain product well you know if you buy a machine shop that can make your product and then it's already got an established business and cash flow all of a sudden you've de-risked that entire new product idea it's exactly right it's a way better way to go exactly right and if you yeah, can, yeah definitely you gotta know what you're doing though oh, well exactly i you know, would anyone here like to comment on getting into a business, you know, without really knowing it thoroughly? Anthony, probably your your experience is probably the closest because the business you bought was very dissimilar from everything you've done in your past. What was the learning curve like for you? It it was it was rough. <laughs> it was rough. Um, you know, uh, definitely went into it a little naively, um, and. Uh, Oh, I think he's, I think he's stuck. Leaving us hanging. He was about to hear some gems. Well, that's the internet. All right. Uh, well, David, uh, <laughs> I wouldn't mind jumping in here. The, um, I, I think this speaks to the point that I think it, this is one of the reasons why I think it's important to, to buy a little bit larger. I see the idea all the time that if you're going to buy a business, let's go buy something that for 250K or 300K because it's less risky. Well, a business that that is selling for 300K is not going to have professional management staff in place. Whereas um, something that's 3 million, 4 million is, is likely to have that. And that will allow you the um the breathing space to actually learn the business because the business will be able to continue to operate the wheels aren't going to fall off without you um jumping in and and doing everything yourself so uh that's if you're buying something for 300k the likelihood is that most of the institutional knowledge of that organization walks out the door when the seller leaves after the mm -hmm. transition period so these are these are the kinds of things that they're counterintuitive, but you when you when you have like a, a mastermind group or a group of people that are talking about this stuff, stuff like this comes up, and then you, you get to hear both sides of the story. And um, yeah, that's that's just a, sort of an extension. Yeah, 
I, I would definitely agree with you for those smaller size companies. You already want to be very knowledgeable about the industry before you get into it. It's the people who I've seen do really great successes with those are, are people who've had a career somewhere else in that very same industry and they're already experts. They just right. need that existing cash flow base that they can jump into and then and then work the magic that they already know. Yep. Yeah, you were talking about de-risking a, a deal and you do that with knowledge and experience. So if you're short on either of those, uh, there's you know, bolster by working with somebody like David or joining Mastermind or uh, going deep on uh, your own research online. Uh, and not to add to the AI hype, but I figured I'd, I'd be the one to bring it up. Uh, is I've been using some of this open AI as a better way to research and understand industries, um, asking about trends and uh, revenue cycles and how sticky are customers. So there's so much research industry associations, uh, consultants that are specialized in one industry and paying for that person's time, an hour or whatever it is to take notes and bolster your knowledge until you can get experience, you know, borrow from somebody else's. That's how you de-risk these deals. In addition to making sure uh, you've got your spreadsheets and your tight uh, controls on cash flow. Uh, so, and then the other piece is people, right? Is learning how to work with people and deal with hard stuff and hold them accountable, inspire them. So these are the, I think, core areas of de-risking a deal is, people, knowledge, and experience, and then making sure the cash, uh, you're not going to be in a crunch there. Yeah, great, great points, Jordan. We're, we're, we've been on here for, uh, for almost 40 minutes, and I, and I know I promised you guys I wouldn't keep you on much longer than this, but I just want to remind everyone who's tuned in that if you're curious about learning more about the, the group coaching program, uh, it is part of the overall Business Buyer Advantage system. If you go to businessbuyeradvantage.com, there's a short video there where I talk about all the different steps of how I help people buy a business. And this group coaching program is, is one of those steps that people do after the online training program. And if you go businessbuyeradventure.com, we'll take you straight through to the page that uh, that shows you the different sign-up features and everything for the program, uh, businessbuyeradventure.com. And um, I, I, I honestly couldn't believe it when uh, when I realized it was this was coming up on the fifth year anniversary. Um, if anyone remembers Yat Long from the live streams a couple of years ago, uh, I actually went out and had lunch with her and her husband, and she's the one that brought it up and said, oh, that you're heading towards your fifth anniversary. And I was like, holy cow. Uh, but it's true. And, uh, and, and as Roger was mentioning earlier, in addition to the group calls that we do every month, uh, every month I have what's called an expert guest call. Uh, and it's a person that I bring in who either talks about something to do with deal making or something to do with operations. Um, and whenever somebody joins the group, of course, the whole back catalog of recordings, all the expert calls back to the first month and all the adventure calls going back over time are all in there. And I know that most people, when they sign on, they start to attend the live meetings and everything, but uh, most people go back and they start to listen to all those calls because of course you get to just sort of listen in as people deal with all these different scenarios, different industries, different business types, different, you know, we had a new one the other day with one of our Australian members talking about uh, a landlord who is in an extreme position of leverage 
you know, just looking for ideas of what he could do to negotiate with this landlord. And sometimes there are no answers. There's no good answers, you know, of just do one, two, three, and you'll get out of trouble kind of thing. But it's really great to have a field of people that you can bounce a question off of and get all kinds of different pieces of advice based on everyone's different experience. So, yeah. So to everyone who joined me here today, thank you very much. Uh, Roger, Jordan, Anthony, and Cody, uh, thank you very much for taking time out of your days to come and, and share with everyone who tuned in uh, and to and to help me, you know, promote the program. Um, you know, we'll, we'll have to see about maybe adjusting the pricing, of course. That's what I keep hearing from you guys, that it's uh, the price is too low. I think that's what modestly means. But uh, maybe we'll leave things unchanged for a little while, let some new people sign on if, if they're lucky enough to, to act fast. Sounds good. Thanks a lot. Yeah, congratulations. Uh, five years that impacted a lot of people. I know myself uh, personally wouldn't be on the trajectory that I am. So I'm uh, very grateful for this group and David for your mentorship over these six plus years. <laughs> Well, awesome. Well, thank you very much. I, I really appreciate it. I'm glad that I'm having an impact like this for everyone. Yeah. Thanks, David, for everything you do. All right. And, and I'll see you guys later on today because we have one of our calls later on this afternoon. So <laughs> we'll, we'll see you all see you and, uh, and we'll talk to you later. Thanks, David. Appreciate it. All right, everyone. So again, like I said earlier, if you want to learn more about all the different ways that I help people buy businesses, just head over to businessbuyeradvantage.com uh, business and you can see the whole program. And then the I mentioned there the group coaching part and you can get there directly by going to businessbuyeradventure.com. Um, and, uh, and with that, you know, thanks for all of you who joined me live. Uh, I see all your messages coming through in here. It's great to see everyone. And um, we'll see you next time. Cheers.